0: The Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 89 of AFF On Air, it's the 23rd of July, 2022. Coming up in this episode, Velocity Frequent Flyer and Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer have reinstated the conversion of points between each program. Why airport security queues can be so frustrating for frequent flyers. And has the Avianca Life Miles program lost its shine? Buying life miles during their generous promotions used to be a popular way of saving money on Star Alliance business and first class flights, but using life miles on flights out of Australia has become extremely difficult indeed. I'll explain why it might be time now to switch instead to the Air Canada Aeroplan program. But first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest Australian airline travel and loyalty program news from the past fortnight. And Virgin Australia has quietly updated its logo yesterday with a new red design that more closely resembles that of Virgin Atlantic or the old Virgin America. And you can see the new design already on the Virgin Australia website or app. It comes a day after Velocity reinstated the ability, as I just mentioned, to transfer points to or from the Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer program, which is very exciting news for Velocity members, and I'll talk more about this later in the episode. Now, speaking of Chris Flyer, the latest Chris Flyer spontaneous escape deals are now available for travel next month on Singapore Airlines. Selected Chris Flyer saver awards from Adelaide, Brisbane, Cairns, Darwin, Melbourne, Perth and Sydney, I think that's pretty much all of Singapore Airlines' destinations in Australia, uh, to Singapore, are now 30% off if you book by the end of this month and travel in August. You can also access the 30% discount off connecting Chris Flyer Saver Award itineraries from Australia to other destinations in Southeast Asia via Singapore. Qantas and Jetstar have ended the requirement for passengers on all of their international flights to be fully vaccinated against COVID 19, regardless of any government or destination requirements. The policy was dropped on the 19th of July. This now leaves, as far as I can tell, Virgin Australia as the only airline in the world to require all passengers on international flights to be vaccinated against COVID, even if this is not a government requirement. Virgin Australia currently flies to two international destinations, Nandi in Fiji and Bali in Indonesia. The Emirates lounges in Sydney and Melbourne reopened this week. The Emirates lounge in Perth will also reopen next week, but there's no word yet on whether or not the Emirates lounge in Brisbane, the other Australian location, will be back This is good news for eligible Emirates passengers flying from Sydney, Melbourne or Perth to Dubai who now have access to Emirates Excellent Airport lounges again on departure. And it's good news for eligible Qantas passengers as well who may now have the option to use the Emirates lounge prior to their Qantas flight if they're flying to a destination that's eligible and it's open at the right time. The Emirates lounges in Australia will be open for a few hours prior to each Emirates departure but not during the middle of the day when there's no Emirates flights. Malaysian low-cost carrier X will launch flights between Sydney and Auckland in November, bringing with it cheap economy fares and premium flatbed seats at the front of the plane. The fifth freedom flight across the Tasman will be a continuation of AirAsia's Kuala Lumpur to Sydney service, and when AirAsia returns it will be using an A330-300 on the Kuala Lumpur to Auckland via Sydney route. From November, AirAsia X is also going to resume direct flights from Perth and Melbourne to Kuala Lumpur, although there will be a change of airport in Melbourne. Between 2018 and 2020, AirAsia X had been operating flights from Avalon Airport to Kuala Lumpur, but it will now be returning to Melbourne's Tolomarine Airport. With the uh, start of Sydney to Auckland flights on X, this means you'll have a choice of five airlines between Sydney and Auckland from November. So in addition to AirAsia, there'll be Air New Zealand, Qantas, Jetstar and LATAM Airlines. But there's still no word yet on whether Virgin Australia will resume flights to Auckland at some point. They will be restarting flights, though, to Queenstown in November. Qantas has finally fixed an error with the way its website prices classic flight rewards on Alaska Airlines after more than a year of this glitch being in effect. Last month, Australian Frequent Flyer highlighted this glitch with the Qantas website where business classic reward seats on Alaska Airlines were being incorrectly priced at the higher first class level. The Qantas website even warned users that the flight will be in business while charging at the first class rate. There's just over a week left to take advantage of the iHG1 Rewards Instant Platinum Status and Diamond Challenge offer which, with registrations closing on the 31st of July. Until then, you can register on the iHG website for Instant iHG1 Rewards Platinum Elite Status you'll then get to enjoy Platinum Status for 120 days for free, even if you don't currently have any hotel status with another program. If you then stay at least five nights at IHG-affiliated hotels within your trial period during those four months, you'll get to keep your Platinum Status until the end of next year. And if you stay an additional 10 nights during those 120 days, so that's 15 nights in total, you'll even be upgraded to Diamond Elite status until the end of 2023, which is the top status level in the new IHG-1 rewards loyalty program. IHG hotels include Holiday Inn, Kimpton, Crown Plaza, Hotel Indigo and Intercontinental. And a QantasLink Boeing 717 jet became stuck in the mud, literally, at Rockhampton Airport last week. After the pilot tried to take a shortcut over some wet grass while taxiing into the terminal, it seems, the plane got bogged and couldn't be moved for more than a week. The plane has since been freed and ferried back to Brisbane without passengers, but it still hasn't yet returned to commercial service after almost two weeks. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. In years gone by, the Life Miles Frequent Flyer program of Colombian Airline and Star Alliance member Avianca has been very popular with Australians looking for a great deal on business and first class flights. Life Miles for years has regularly offered deals on buying miles. Now, they normally cost 33 US dollars a thousand, which works out to be 48 Australian dollars a thousand at the current exchange rate. That's full price. But they regularly offer up to 150% bonus miles. And during the pandemic, there were even a couple of times that Life Miles offered 200% bonus miles on purchases. Now, theoretically, you can then redeem those miles, which you've purchased at a heavy discount, uh, for seats, for award seats on Star Alliance Airlines in economy, business, and first class. And there can be some fantastic deals to be had with business and first class seats often available um, through life miles, um, where the cost that you paid for the miles and the the taxes when you redeem the ticket combine to be well below the regular retail price for an equivalent ticket. And Life Miles doesn't pass on fuel or carrier surcharges when you redeem for flights on partner airlines. So the taxes are always pretty low when you use Life Miles. But using Life Miles isn't always easy and it does come with risks. For starters, the Life Miles website is, and as anyone who's tried to use it will know, is really not good. Um, sometimes also connecting itineraries don't appear online. So, um, for example, there might be availability on a flight from uh, Sydney to Tokyo, and also availability from Tokyo to Beijing. But then if you try to book a ticket from Sydney to Beijing, even though the flights would actually be available as a married segment, they just don't appear online. Um, which then requires you to use the infamous screenshot method, where you basically take a screenshot of the um, the two separate tickets and then send them an email and hope to get a callback. Uh, not a good process, but it's something that people have had to resort to in, in previous years. Um, but yeah, it's it's not great, and um, if you can't get the website to work, or sometimes even if you can, you also might need to deal with their call centre, which really isn't good either. Um, plus, LifeMiles changed their expiration policy a few years back, where um, now if you don't Earn any new life miles at least once every twelve months, then your entire balance will expire, and redeeming miles does not count towards activity for keeping your miles alive, so they really um, they, they don 't make it easy for um, for people to to get the value out of the program now until the till the pandemic, the cost savings still on the whole made it worthwhile for some Australians to engage with the life miles program. Um, you could still get really relatively cheap um, reward seats if you could actually make a booking. Um, there, there was value to be had, but a few things now have changed. One of them is the US dollar exchange rate. Uh, it's not so good now. So, like thirty-three dollars a thousand, you're paying for life miles. That's now forty-eight Australian dollars a thousand, which is creeping up a little bit. But most significantly, and, and much more importantly, there are now very few business or first-class award seats available to or from Australia to book using life miles. In fact, first-class awards at the moment are pretty much non-existent. I don't think I've seen any first-class availability on any LifeMiles partner airline to or from Australia at any point in the last year. Um, And I I certainly can't see any at the moment for travel in the next year. And in the meantime, something else happened during the pandemic. Air Canada, another Star Alliance airline, began selling its aeroplan points. And this is now arguably a much better deal than using LifeMiles. And I'll have more on this shortly, but um, if you are stuck with a large balance of Life Miles now, you can still book business award seats on some Star Alliance partner airlines to or from Australia. And I just want to talk briefly about what is available to book at the moment using Life Miles. Um, Now, I searched recently when researching for an article about this that I was writing, and I'll link to this article in the episode notes. Um, But what I found was that there were some seats on a few um, Star Alliance partner airlines. I couldn't find anything on Air Canada, but United had a few business seats here or there between Australia and the US. Um, Also, quite a bit of availability as it happens between AT and San Francisco, if you can get to Tahiti. Um, Air India had up to one business class seat per flight, which you could book using Life Miles or another Star Alliance program um, on its flights from Sydney and Melbourne to Delhi. Um, ANA, All Nippon Airways, had a few flights um, next year from Sydney to Tokyo or Perth to Tokyo Narita, which had one business seat. Um, And surprisingly, actually, also on the Sydney to Haneda route, there's quite a lot of business class availability at short notice if you want to travel in the next few weeks, which you can book using life miles, but um, Japan is still largely closed, so maybe not so useful unless you're connecting somewhere. Um, Air New Zealand has very limited availability generally, but I could find a few trans-Tasman business seats. Asiana had a very occasional um, flight with one business seat between Sydney and Seoul. Um, But that was pretty much it. And I mean, what I've just talked about, that pretty much reflects what's available to book right now using all Star Alliance currencies on those airlines. Um, That's not unique to LifeMiles. But there was something else that I found which was quite concerning. Now, Thai Airways is another Star Alliance airline. Now, Thai Airways has reasonably good award availability in business class right now um, to Australia with up to two award seats per flight between Sydney, Melbourne or Perth and Bangkok. Now, these are available to book using all other Star Alliance programs. So you can use United Mileage Plus miles, you can use Air Canada Aeroplan points, you can use Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer miles, Lufthansa miles and more miles, and so on. But these seats on Thai Airways in business class do not appear um, to life, for, for LifeMiles members. Um, LifeMiles members only have access at the moment to economy seats on Thai Airways, and that's the same across all Thai Airways routes. So it seems to be a systematic issue where there's either a glitch with the LifeMiles website – or um, uh, Life Miles members are being blocked deliberately from accessing those seats, so something's not right there. Now, I also found quite a few examples, unfortunately, also of Singapore Airlines flights. Singapore, of course, being part of Star Alliance as well, where which were available through other Star Alliance programs like United Mileage Plus or Air Canada Aeroplan, but they weren't available through Life Miles. So, in other words, LifeMiles Miles members. Um, have at the moment they just have access to fewer award seats in and out of Australia on Singapore Airlines and Thai Airways. Even seats that are available through other programs are not necessarily available through Life Miles, and that's a problem. Now, the article I recently wrote, which is in the episode notes, is called "No Availability." What's the point of buying Life Miles in 2022? And this goes into more detail about this. But the point is, even though you can buy Life Miles right now at 145% bonus, what's the point if they're so hard to redeem? And this brings me to the Air Canada Aeroplan program. Now, you might recall that Air Canada began selling their aeroplan points during the pandemic in 2020. Um, At the time, they probably just needed some cash, to be honest. But in recent times, they've been offering regular and quite generous bonuses as well. Now, just for some background, it costs normally thirty-five Canadian dollars per thousand to buy Aeroplan points, which works out to be around thirty-nine Australian dollars at the current exchange rate. So, a bit cheaper than buying Life Miles. And during their most recent promotion, which ran earlier this month and just ended last Wednesday, you could have got one hundred percent bonus miles from Air Canada by buying at least eighty thousand uh, points. I should say, not miles. Aeroplan points. At a time and there was uh, some smaller bonuses for buying smaller amounts as well with that offer uh, air canada lets you buy up to a million aeroplan points per year so that should be more than enough for most people and yeah given the difference in the exchange rates between the canadian dollar and the us dollar the cost of buying aeroplan points at a 100 bonus during an offer like that are pretty similar anyway to buying life miles at a hundred and forty five percent bonus but on many levels, buying Aeroplan points is probably now a much better choice, and here are some of the reasons for this. Firstly, the Aeroplan award charts are more or less comparable with Lifemiles. There are, of course, different charts, but um, Aeroplan's charts are very competitive. They redid their loyalty program and towards the end of twenty twenty, um, and Aeroplan is now like for most awards pretty good value. Like Life Miles, Aeroplan also does not pass on any fuel or carrier surcharges when booking on partner airlines, and this can run into the hundreds of dollars. Um, but instead, when you redeem Air Canada um, Aeroplan points, you just pay a thirty-nine Canadian dollar partner airline booking fee for any redemption, in, which includes travel on uh, partner airline or partner airlines, and then you just pay any genuine taxes. So the fees and taxes are always going to be pretty reasonable. Unlike with life miles though, you also have the option with Aeroplan to add a stopover to most award bookings for 5000 points. Um, with life miles stopovers are simply not permitted. The Air Canada website also works really well and booking your awards online, searching for availability and booking awards is really easy. Um, any available flight on any of Air Canada's partner airlines should show up online. And the award routing rules are pretty generous. So basically, as long as the itinerary is available, even if it's not the shortest routing or whatever, uh, you can book it using aeroplan points if the seats are there. Um, and the website does show quite a lot of different itineraries available. Um, compare this with life miles. Often you'll search for a, something really common like Sydney to London. It'll show nothing available um, at all. Um, If you do need to call up for whatever reason, Air Canada's call centre is also just miles ahead of life miles, Um, although admittedly you do sometimes need to wait a while. Um, Air Canada's call centre, there can be a bit of a wait time sometimes. Um, but all of this is before I talk about the number of airlines that you can redeem your aeroplan points to fly with. Um, so, of course, aeroplan with um, Air Canada being in Star Alliance, you can use your aeroplan points to book on Star Alliance Airlines, including on Thai Airways Business Class, which is not available through Lifemiles. But there's also quite a lot of Air Canada partner airlines outside of Star Alliance as well, and you can easily um, use multiple different airlines on the same Air Canada award ticket. So you can even combine, for example, Star Alliance and non-Star Alliance partner airlines onto one Air Canada um, award ticket. And you just pay pay for one award. Now, in terms of non-Star Alliance partners, Life Miles only has three that you can redeem your miles to fly with, and those are Iberia, Gull, and Aeromexico. Air Canada, on the other hand, has over a dozen, and of those, some of them are genuinely very useful to Australians. For starters, there's Virgin Australia, so if you wanted to book, for example, an international award ticket on a Star Alliance airline out of Australia, like... Thai Airways from Melbourne to Bangkok, for example, you can easily add on a connecting Virgin Australia domestic flight onto the same award ticket, and you often won't pay any more points either. So, for example, you could fly Hobart to Melbourne on Virgin Australia, then Melbourne to Bangkok on Thai Airways, all on the one ticket with your bag checked through all the way to Thailand. And that's not something that you can do with life miles. Air Canada also partners with Etihad, which offers up to two business award seats on some flights from Melbourne or Sydney to Abu Dhabi. And the Etihad, of course, has lots of onward connections available to Europe, the Middle East and Africa. And, of course, with the no carrier charges or fuel surcharges on partners, when you redeem aeroplan points to fly Etihad, you'll pay a lot less than you would if you would re- redeem velocity points, for example, or Etihad guest miles. There's also Air Mauritius, which is an Air Canada partner. And Air Mauritius will resume flights later this year from Perth to Mauritius. So if you have aeroplan points, um, then there is availability on um, Air Mauritius. You can use those to fly from Perth to Mauritius and have a really a really nice holiday. <laughs> Air Canada also partners with Air Serbia, Azul, Cathay Pacific, Eurowings, Eurowings Discover, Gol, Gulf Air based in Bahrain. There's Junio Airlines, Olympic Air, the regional subsidiary of Aegean in Greece, Oman Air, which is going to join the One World Alliance in a couple of years and has a really good business and first-class product. Um, there's Vistara in India and also various Canadian regional airlines. And to top it off, Air Canada just announced that it's planning to launch a partnership later this year with Emirates. Now, it's not exactly clear to me whether we'll be able to redeem aeroplane points for Emirates flights, and if so, whether or not first-class would be available, I did ask Emirates this actually after their press release came out last week and they couldn't really tell me. They just issued a statement and it said... Um, to further enhance the customer experience the carriers being emirates and Air canada will also establish reciprocal frequent flyer benefits and reciprocal lounge access for qualifying customers further details of the partnership and specific code share routes will be announced when finalized and will be subject to regulatory approvals and final documentation so no real information there but nonetheless something to keep an eye on but even without emirates though um in air canada's lineup of partners this is really impressive and with all of this in mind, the question really needs to be asked is there much point, considering now that there's such a good alternative available, in continuing to use the Life Miles program if you live in Australia? And on that question, I think the evidence speaks for itself. And if you'd like to learn more about the Aeroplan program, I'll include a link to the AFF guide to buying and redeeming Aeroplan points in the episode notes for this podcast. And if you're a Frequent Flyer Solutions member, you can also find a detailed guide on buying um, and redeeming aeroplan points, as well as many other programs, in the Frequent Flyer Solutions training program. Want to learn how to maximize the value in Frequent Flyer programs? If you're new to the Frequent Flyer Points game, or perhaps you'd like to perfect your travel hacking strategy, You may be interested in the Frequent Flyer training program offered by our sister website, Frequent Flyer Solutions. The Frequent Flyer Solutions training consists of 10 easy-to-follow online courses with topics including credit cards, earning, buying and redeeming points, airline status, hotel and supermarket loyalty programs, and how to find cheap flights. If you don't have hours to sift through online forums, the training explains clearly all of the tricks and strategies you need to know to make the most of your Frequent Flyer points and loyalty programs. For more information, visit frequentflyer.com.au. Well, as I said at the start of this episode, this week uh, the Velocity Frequent Flyer program and the Chris Flyer program finally brought back the ability to transfer points between the two programs. And this was something that had been offered uh, since 2014. Um, but the, the option was suspended in April, 2020, when it looked like Virgin Australia might go into bankruptcy. And, um, they did indeed go into voluntary administration a couple of weeks after that. Um, at the time, Velocity said that they would bring back this feature once flight schedules were to normal. And on the 21st of July this year, they have finally done so. And the good news for Velocity members is that there are no no changes to the conversion rate or to the basic terms and conditions. So the conversion rate is still 1.55 to 1 in both directions. So in other words, if you transfer velocity points to ChrisFly, you'd need 1.55 velocity points for every one ChrisFly mile that you'd receive, and the same in the other direction. So you'd need 1.55 ChrisFly miles to get one velocity point. So basically, this works out to be about a 35% penalty every time you transfer points in either direction. So you you shouldn't just transfer willy-nilly between the programs. But if you have a particular redemption in mind, which is better value or only available through the other program, then uh, it could definitely make sense. Uh, and there is just a, tr- uh, a minimum transfer of 5,000 points at a time as well. Now, if you'd like to transfer your points, you can do this on on the Velocity website if you want to transfer your Velocity points to Chris Flyer, or on the Singapore Airlines website if you want to transfer Chris Flyer points in the other direction. Um, and you just need to link your accounts once um, before you can before you can start transferring. Um, but it's the actual mechanics of it are relatively simple. So what I want to talk about on the podcast today is why you might actually transfer points from Velocity to Chris Flyer. And there are um, around, there's pretty much seven reasons that you might do this. The biggest reason is that Chris Flyer um, gives you access to award seats on Star Alliance. And I talked about Star Alliance in the previous section when we were talking about Life, Miles in Air Canada. Um if you, with Velocity, now Virgin Australia does partner with a few airlines that are part of the Star Alliance, so Singapore Airlines, South African Airways, um, Air Canada, and United. But there are 22 other Star Alliance members which you cannot redeem your velocity points to fly with, but you can redeem Chris miles to fly with. So airlines like Turkish Airlines, ANA to Japan, Asiana, Air New Zealand, Aegean Airlines, Lufthansa, and so on. Um, you have access to those awards through the ChrisFlyer program. ChrisFlyer also partners with three other non Star Alliance airlines, which are not um, Virgin Australia partners, being Vistara, Alaska Airlines, and Junial Airlines. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. That's a Chinese airline. Uh, and those are three other airlines that you, you would have access to with ChrisFlyer miles. The third reason is Chris Flyer has also the Star Alliance Around the World Award, which um, Aaron mentioned briefly in last Fortnite's episode. And, and this is something that I'm going to talk about in more detail in, a, in an upcoming episode of this podcast. But with Chris miles, you do have the possibility to fly around the world in business class for 280,000 Chris miles, which with the, um, after you convert them for velocity points, that would be the, the equivalent of 434,000 velocity points to fly around the world in business class. Some redemptions are possible through either program. Um, For example, seats on Singapore Airlines or seats on Virgin Australia or on certain Star Alliance airlines like South African. Um, But they might just be better value through the Chris Flyer program compared to um, the same redemption through Velocity. Um, It can also work um, to be the other way around. But uh, for example, if you wanted to fly from Adelaide to Cairns, using uh, on Virgin Australia business class. If you were to use velocity points, it would be 35,500 velocity points plus taxes and carrier charges. If, But it's only 21,000 uh, Chris Flyer miles at the current rate. That will increase slightly um, when the uh, Chris Flyer Virgin Australia award chart is increased on the 1st of August. But it's still going to work out very slightly cheaper if you actually redeem through the, um, through the Chris Flyer program, even after the conversions taken into account. And um, Chris Flyer also doesn't pass on the Velocity carrier charge of $11 per flight for domestic flights. So it's going to work out to be slightly fewer miles and also slightly less in taxes. Um, but that's, And that's just one example. There are quite a few others. If you want to redeem for actual Singapore Airlines flights, now at the moment, Velocity members still cannot redeem for Singapore Airlines first-class seats. Uh, Velocity has brought back the ability to redeem for Singapore Airlines economy, premium economy, or business class, but not first-class. So if you want to book first-class you can just transfer the points over to Chris Flyer and book through the Chris Flyer program if there's availability. And with the Chris Flyer miles, you also have access to seats that are available as advantage awards through the Chris Flyer program. So Chris Flyer has two types of awards. There's saver awards, which are a little bit cheaper, but not available on as many flights. And there's also advantage awards, which are a little bit more expensive, but available on more flights. Um, if You have velocity points, you have access to the same seats that are are available as confirmed saver awards um, to Chris Flyer members, but not to the advantage seats, so that's another advantage, pardon the pun, of transferring points over to Chris Flyer. Um, If you have Chris Flyer Mars, you also have the possibility to waitlist for award seats on Singapore Airlines. And if you have Chris Flyer miles, finally, you can uh, have the opportunity to upgrade on Singapore Alliance flights if that's something that you want to do and you've bought an eligible fare class. Although, um, like Aaron said in the last episode, upgrading using Chris Flyer miles on Singapore Airlines flights is probably not going to be the best value. But um, yeah, so there's quite a few reasons, but it could make sense to, um, to transfer the points over to Chris Flyer. Um, the main the main thing that I think this is a really great benefit is that, you know, Velocity only has eight partner airlines that you can use points to fly with. And so sometimes uh, there might simply not be any partner airlines that fly to uh, wherever it is that you want to fly, or there might not be availability on the dates that you want. And so it just gives you, like, it, the more options you have, the more valuable a currency is really, and it, it gives you a, like just more options to be able to use points potentially to fly when and where you want to go. Um, and the more options, the better. That, like, that really is um, the, probably the most valuable thing um, that a frequent flyer can have as options. Um, th- the main catch, of course, when you transfer points is the 1.55 to 1 transfer rate. So you do lose some miles in the conversion. Um, and you should also be aware that KrisFlyer fly miles expire after three years, and finally be aware that you can um, redeem Chris Flyer miles to fly f- for flights for other people if they're a redemption nominee on your Chris Flyer account um, you can have up to five redemption nominees at a time but just be aware that it's not possible to transfer Chris Flyer miles between accounts so make sure that um, if you um, if you have like family members who you want uh, to send points to their Chris Flyer account it's best to transfer them uh, your velocity points. And then get your family member, for example, to transfer points then from their Velocity account to their own ChrisFlyer account. Um, but yeah, really good thing that it's back. It's um, it was a couple of days late being implemented. It was promised to be implemented again from the nineteenth of July, but it is back. And um, there's been no nasty devaluations, so good news for Velocity members. Finally, for this episode, have you ever found airport security frustrating? If you're a frequent flyer, I suspect the answer to this would be the same as it would be if I asked you whether the Pope is Catholic. You might remember that in April this year, during the Easter holiday rush, where we saw airport security queues running out the door of the airports in some places around Australia... Qantas CEO Alan Joyce blamed passengers for not being match fit. He said that when he went through the airports, um, he saw that people were forgetting to take out their laptops and they that they forgot that they had to take out the aerosols and so on. Joyce later backtracked on those infamous comments, and it turns out that the main reason for the long security lines during the Easter holidays, surprise, surprise, was a lack of airport staff. The crowds were back to you know pre-COVID levels, but the staffing levels were not, so that was really the cause, but... In a way, Joyce does have a point. and I, which I've written about in an article on AFF this week. Now, as you might know, I've done a lot of international travel over the past few months, and the thing that struck me is that every single airport seems to have different rules and requirements about what you need to do when going through airport security. Um, And just to give you some examples, like in most airports in the US, you need to take out pretty much everything, computers, tablets out of your bag, take your jacket off, liquids, gels and aerosols out. You need to take your shoes off even uh, when going through the x-ray scanner in most US airports. Um, But it's not even in the US, it's not consistent. In Los Angeles International Airport, um, a couple of weeks ago, I found that I didn't have to take my shoes off. I could keep them on and you could keep your computer inside your bag, which is a bit of a surprise. But then as you go to other airports in other countries, the rules completely change up just north of the US in Canada. Um, I f- I found that in, in airports in Canada, you needed to take out your laptop or computer and you need to take out your, li- your liquids and aerosols and gels, but shoes can stay on. Except um, then I was flying uh, two weeks ago from Montreal to the US and then I needed to take my shoes off. So it was different again, even in the same airport. Um, in Mexico City, just south of the US, you could um, leave liquids in your bag, but then your computer needed to come out. Over in Europe, in Berlin or Vienna, for example, you need to take your computer out of your bag. But then in Lisbon, your computer can stay in your bag. In fact, their staff there were quite forceful in ensuring that your computer stayed in your bag. Then if we come to Australia, in Melbourne, in the domestic terminal, the Qantas domestic terminal, you need to take out your computer and out any aerosols in your bag. But then if you go through the international terminal, as far as I can remember, your laptop stays in your bag, but then liquids all need to come out because it's an international flight. In Canberra, your computer stays in your bag for going through x-ray screening, but the aerosols need to be removed. And then in Sydney domestic, everything stays in the bag. And honestly, with so many different rules, the only reason I remember all this is that I wrote them down. <laughs> with, but with, with, they change all the time, and there's different at every airport. I can't keep up. And I don't think I'm a traveler who's not match fit. Now, I'm no stranger to airport security, and if there was simply a sign at the entrance to each checkpoint telling me what I needed to do, I'd comply. But for some reason, most airports around the world seem to rely on security staff yelling at passengers just to communicate what's expected of them, and it makes the whole experience slow and really quite unpleasant for people. Often you see people who've mistakenly left something in their bag um, that they shouldn't have, not because they're stupid, but they probably just didn't know. And then when this happens, their bag needs to be rescanned and it just slows down the whole queue and it's very inefficient. Now, having universal color-coded signs at the entrance to every security checkpoint in airports around the world seems to be a logical idea. I have no idea why airports aren't doing this yet because the current system, quite frankly, with the rules changing everywhere, no signage, um, no uniform standards and security staff treating you like a naughty preschooler for no reason is just broken. And if you don't believe me, just have a look at the queues at airports around the world right now. Uh, Anyway, those are my two cents. But if anyone who works at an airport is listening to this podcast, please can you install some signs at the start of your security checkpoint just with some pictures of what you need to take out of your bag and what you need to um, leave in your bag. It'll just make life easier for everyone, both for frequent flyers and for your staff. Anyway, that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks for tuning in this fortnight. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF on Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF on Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels.